teaches us about the things that are to come, uh, the things that are to come, but they are only a shadow, as Paul mentions in chapter 10, verse number 1. So the law is a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things. And he goes on in verse 1 and says, not only is the law, what you read in the Old Testament about the sacrificial system, the work of the high priest take in once a year uh, on the Day of Atonement, sacrifice for sins of the people. This process in chapter 10 verse 1 can never by the same sacrifices which they offer year by year make perfect those who draw near to God or save completely those who draw near to God. This process of the old law and the process of the Levitical law was year to year. You bring the sacrifice, the sacrifice is made on the Day of Atonement and all during the year sacrifices are brought. But over and over and over, there is no completion, there is no finished work of these sacrifices. Verse 2, otherwise they would not have ceased to be offered. Remember Paul's writing these words uh, to these Jewish Christians while the temple is still standing and these sacrifices are still going on. The Lord Jesus Christ has died. He has been raised from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. And now speaking about the glorious ministry of the Lord Jesus, he's talking here about how there's been a change. Though the old temple and all of what was going on was still going on till around 70 AD when it was destroyed completely by the Romans, uh, the temple. Uh, we see here that these sacrifices go on because the worshiper, verse 2, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had a consciousness of sin. So you see, the Old Testament never relieved the pain of a, of a conscience that says, I have sinned. Think about that tonight. The only satisfaction to a convicting, to a convicting, accusing conscience is salvation in Jesus Christ. It's the only way you're going to get your, it's the only way you're going to be able to sleep at night. It's the only way you're going to be able to live without terror in your mind and worry and fear and trouble. That's the difference. The Old Testament person comes, the one under the law comes bringing their sacrifices, hoping that these animal sacrifices and the blood of these animals will somehow appease God and satisfy their conscience, but yet they're still just guilty as can be. No satisfaction, that's what verse 2 is saying. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there is a remainder of sins year by year. As I've said to this church many, many times in all the years I've been here, the temple standing there during Paul's day, the smoke was rising, the blood was flowing, and men and women still lived with guilty consciences. No satisfaction for their sin. Verse 4, for it is impossible, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Animal sacrifices are not enough to take away sin from a sinner's life and to satisfy the wrath of God. 
Therefore, here comes the conclusion, verse 5, and this is where this is where now Paul begins to pick up the coming of the Lord Jesus in the flesh and Him coming to become our sufficient, perfect sacrifice for sin. Therefore, I'm just following along. I'll be saying a lot of these things together because I'm convinced that the church, the modern church is not as aware, is not clear about the absolute finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And if you don't understand that, first of all, you can't be saved unless you understand the cross. And second of all, it is the joy and the great victory we have in the gospel. Therefore, when He comes into the world, who? The Lord Jesus Christ. When He comes into the world, He says, these words now that are quoted for us, this is so important for us. When the Word of God, when the New Testament takes an Old Testament passage and lifts it and brings it to us, it is one of those places where we learn how the Lord Himself, you remember when He was raised from the dead, He spoke to His disciples and from the law and from the prophets and the book of Psalms, He spoke about those things regarding Himself. Here's one of those places. The Lord Jesus revealing these things to the apostles. Sacrifice and offering. Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8 is where He's bringing these words. Psalm 40, 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired. This is... This is the Lord Jesus Christ as He comes into this world and as He comes as the God-man, as He's born into this world, as we celebrated at Christmas. Now He declares His commitment to God the Father to do His will. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for Me. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. We call it the incarnation, that is the enfleshment of, of the Lord Jesus Fully God, fully man. Fully God and fully man in a human body. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, notice, for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. This is the Lord Jesus' declaration to God the Father. Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. Notice, please notice, to do your will, O God. At the heart of all that we understand about the Lord Jesus Christ is His absolute, marvelous, steady, enduring, perfect, complete obedience. We don't think enough about this. So we're going to, on Wednesday nights, if you join me, uh, either electronically or here. And for all of you who are joining us, if, if it's working, Ricky, are you back there? Is it working okay? Is it all right? Good? Okay. So it's coming through, so we're glad you all are with us. May the Lord bless you, and we come back when you can. And there are a few of us here, and we're all honored to be together. So the Lord Jesus is the example for Christian obedience. Before I can ever speak to you, before I can ever understand what it means to obey, God... I must learn and recognize the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you must understand. Then I said, verse 7, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do, to do, are you listening? To do your will, O God. 
He goes on now. Paul makes a comment, verse 8. After saying above sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. See, that's what we... The law requires sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings for sin. Then he comments and he says, Then he said, But behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first. What's the first that's taken away? It's the law. When the Lord Jesus comes, He takes away the first, the law, with all of its requirements that can never be met and a, a sacrificial system that will never cleanse from sin. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. And what is the second? It is doing God's will. It is the sending of the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So by, by this will, that is by the will of God, we have been sanctified, please notice verse 10, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Can anybody say amen? Well, I'll say it. Amen. Praise God. You didn't have to bring your goat up here tonight. You didn't have to bring your birds up here tonight. You didn't have to bring your sacrifice up here tonight. You don't have to gather on the Day of Atonement and wait for an animal to be sacrificed. The sacrifice has been made and the Lord Jesus said, it is finished. That's the victory we live under as Christians in the midst of a time of total despair in our world. So this is the challenge you and I have today to understand, worship, and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ for His glorious obedience. By this will we have been, verse 10, sanctified. We is the Christian, the believer. By this will, the will of God that the Lord Jesus obeyed in fully completing His task on the earth of carrying out His earthly ministry and then dying on the cross. We've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. So I want us to consider here tonight, especially these words, because they have such an impact on us and they remind us of the responsibilities that we have in our own life. We must recognize and understand these things so that we might understand truly what it is that the Lord would do for us. In Hebrews uh, chapter, I believe I gave you 10, but it's actually chapter 4, I believe, that we have these words that I've given to you at the top. In the days of His flesh, He offered both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who is able to to save him from death. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal life. That's the promise we have in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the promise we have in understanding that He is our 
great high priest, and He is the one who has, who has gone before us and given us the example of how we might live and faithfully serve God. So again, look at this as I've given it to you at the top of the page. In the days of His flesh, what did the Lord Jesus do? He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save Him from death. We don't often think about it. Think about the Lord Jesus Christ in Gethsemane and perhaps many other times we don't have recorded in the Word of God who with loud crying and tears... the Lord Jesus with loud crying and tears to God the Father, He offered up prayers and supplications. You ever pray like that? You ever pray with loud crying and tears? We're not an emotional people, are we? Not many tears are shed among God's people anymore. We're just mad all the time. We're bitter. We're hateful. We're not broken. But the Lord Jesus in the days of His flesh cried to God. What do you cry to God about? As I said Sunday, the loss of your dog, your favorite TV show runs its course and is over. They discontinued your favorite food at the grocery store. What do you cry about? What do we cry about, church? He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his godliness, his piety. And although he was the Son of God, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Please mark that in your reading there. He learned, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And then he when He was made perfect, that is when He was finished on the cross, when He had done His work, when it was complete, He became to all those, please notice what it says, who obey Him, the source of eternal salvation. So this is our example of obedience. The Lord Jesus Christ is the example for Christian obedience. So, do you obey God? Are you willing to... You see, the Lord knew what was ahead of Him before it came to Him. And though He knew what was ahead, and though He had emotions and cried tears and was burdened with what He must do, He did it. Is that true of us or do we just quit? It gets a little hard, doesn't it? I don't know if American Christians have much of a stomach to suffer. But we're probably not going to have a choice. So we must learn 
how to obey God when we suffer. We must learn how to obey God when we suffer. So we see here three observations that I want to make about the Lord Jesus and His obedience. If you have the outline, you can see it. If not, here are the three observations I want to make. They're general observations, but they're founded off of these passages we've looked at in Hebrews. First of all, Jesus Christ completely and perfectly obeyed God the Father in His work on earth. I'll say it again. Jesus Christ completely and perfectly obeyed God the Father in His work on earth. Secondly, Jesus Christ learned obedience from His sufferings, as we just read here. I believe it's Hebrews 5. And then Jesus Christ's perfect obedience provided salvation to those who will believe. I've just given you these passages and I want to uh, just take a few minutes. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how long we go. We didn't, we're, not, we're not able to have music tonight, so I don't know if I have an hour's worth of things to say to you and I'm not going to prolong our time. We'll do it as long as we need to and then we'll be done. But I want us to go first of all to the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ about His own commitment to do the will of God. First, I've just read to you these wonderful words from Hebrews chapter 10. Behold, I have come to do your will. But there are numerous places where we see the Lord Jesus speaking about this. I've, I've particularly picked from the Gospel of John my examples here. John chapter 17 when the Lord Jesus is praying to God the Father, and we are honored. Again, what an honor, what a sacred thing it is to read John 17. These holy words, this holy ground, we, we're privileged to read in detail how the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to God the Father. It'll teach you something about how to pray if you read carefully John 17. In great humility and in His own commitment to obedience, he said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. I have glorified you on earth. How did he glorify God the Father? Well, he did the work that God the Father gave him to do. How do I glorify God as a Christian? I I do the work God gives me to do. How does the church, First Baptist Church, glorify God? We do the work God gives us to do. I glorified you on earth. Hopefully all of us will end our life being able to say at the end of our life when our, when our moments are ending here on this earth and we're... we're we're having the opportunity as saved people to step into the glory of heaven. Perhaps we'll be able to say as best we can, I've glorified you on earth. I hope you can say that. I've done what you've called me to do. As a Christian. John eight twenty nine. He who sent me is with me, the Lord Jesus said. That's, that's good for us to know. The Lord said, the Lord Jesus said, I'm with you always, just the same. Notice the pattern of how the Lord Jesus 
lived his life in submission and obedience to God the Father. I'm saying something very important here. The pattern by which the Lord Jesus lived his life in submission and obedience to God the Father is the same way that you and I are to live our life as Christians. He's given to us an example. Whatever you're going through tonight, He who sent me is with me. Whatever you're going through tonight, He is with me. He has not left me alone. Whatever you're going through tonight, He has not left me alone. For I always... So given the fact that He knows God is with Him, the Lord Jesus says, I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. Would you characterize your Christian life tonight as being one that pleases God? Is God pleased with what you are doing and what you're saying and the way you're living? He can be and is many times displeased with His people. Jesus said to them, John 4.34, My food, my nourishment, what nourishes me, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. Is that true for you tonight? Do you gain your greatest satisfaction from doing the will of God as has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Word of God? The Lord Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. He didn't come up with his own initiatives and his own plans. The Lord Jesus, when he came to this world, he said, As I hear, I judge, and my opinion is just because I do not seek my own will. Please notice, I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. If you say you are a Christian, do you deny yourself? You won't bellyache and cry and whine if you deny yourself. You'll submit to the will of God in your life. You will deny yourself. The Lord Jesus did not seek His own will. I'll read it to you again here from Hebrews chapter 10. Behold, I have come to do your will. John 6.38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. We obey God when we know that we've been sent by God. And we've been sent into the world. But will we obey God? The Lord Jesus said in John 14.31 to the disciples, but so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly, oh, this is beautiful language, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. I don't do part of it. I don't do it the way I think I ought to interpret it. I do exactly what the Father says. And that was this, go to the cross. Go to the cross. And the Lord did. The Lord also said to the disciples, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. We'll talk about that more in the days ahead in detail, but notice what he says then. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I 
want the Lord Jesus did what he did because he knew God loved him. The Father loved him with eternal love. If you know God loves you, if you know the Lord loves you, why would you not do what He wants you to do? So we celebrate tonight and we honor Jesus Christ's complete and perfect obedience to God the Father and His work on the earth, and we're grateful for it. Number two, Jesus learned obedience from His sufferings. Although He was a son, as we read here, although He was a son... And this is Hebrews 5 is where the text was at the, at the top of your page. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. He learned to obey God while all of the... What did, what did uh, the Apostle John say? Speaking of the Lord Jesus when he came to this world, he came to his own, to his own Jewish people, and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. As we read last week in John 19... They rejected to Pilate, the Jewish leaders, the Lord Jesus as Messiah. They rejected Him. He learned suffering and being rejected. He learned, he learned obedience, excuse me, as He suffered being mocked and ridiculed. He learned obedience. He obeyed in spite of ridicule, mockery, rejection, hatred, He learned obedience. For many of us, we complain about our sufferings and we do not understand that the sufferings we have are meant, if you're a Christian, to help you learn how to obey God. That's why you go through what you go through. That's why we have afflictions. That's why we must learn to endure because the Lord is seeking to make us more like Jesus Christ. He is seeking to do holy work in our life. So we complain, oh, why is this season of life come in my life? Because the Lord has permitted it or sent it. Why are we living in these days? Because the Lord Jesus has sent it or permitted it. And it's for your good if you're a Christian. Although He was a son, He learned obedience. The school suffering teaches us the lesson of obedience. From Isaiah, the prophecy is Isaiah 55, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not disobedient nor did I turn back. Another testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ coming right out of the prophet's mouth. And then Luke 22, 42, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup. Isn't that what the Lord said in those deep times of agony in Gethsemane? If you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's what we must learn to say. <clears throat> well, I don't like what I have in my life, and I keep asking the Lord to change it. Okay? But did you finish your prayer? But not my will but yours be done. So the Lord Jesus Christ completely and perfectly obeyed God the Father in His work on the earth. Jesus Christ learned obedience from His sufferings. And then third place, Jesus Christ's perfect obedience provided salvation to all who will believe. Then He said, Behold, I have come to do your will. And by this will, by the will of God, the Father sending the Lord Jesus to be our perfect 
sacrifice for our sins. He now sanctifies through the offering of His body all who will believe in Him be saved. What did Paul say? Philippians 2.8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But I, I want you to see the phrase because this will become important for us as we learn about Christian obedience. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Obeying God will force you to be humble. You cannot in arrogance obey God. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient. Paul goes on and says later in the book of Hebrews uh, these wonderful words... Uh, in chapter 12, fix, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is Hebrews 12, 2. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him who has endured such hostility by sinners against Himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's what the Lord did. That's what our Lord Jesus did. He humbled Himself and He despised the shame put on Him because He looked beyond and saw the glory of finished obedience. You see, when I'm in the middle of my trouble, I don't always look ahead. What are you looking at in your troubles? What are you looking at in your troubles? I'm still amazed, and these days are a lesson in this. I sometimes feel like a medical doctor. I get report after report, and I'm not complaining. Day after day of sickness and sickness and sickness and sickness, it comes through to me through phone calls, texts, all kinds of information. We get it on Watchman Prayer. I feel like a, a doctor sometimes. But I'm amazed how Christians sometimes react to sickness. Death isn't the end, it's the blessed beginning. What are we afraid of? You see, this matter of obedience is one which helps me to humble myself. So Lord, if this is what You have for me, then I'm going to do it with all of my might. I'm going to be the best at it. I'm going to obey you completely in it and honor Jesus Christ. This is the way of our Lord. When Jesus had received the sour wine, this was what I tried to impress upon you, my dear friends, on Sunday. When Jesus had received the vinegar... He took the bitter vinegar and then he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. So this is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. 
Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. So what do we need to remember tonight? I have a number of things for you. How can I... I could have made a page full of these. I give you ten thoughts. How do we apply this to our lives? Well, if it were not for the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ, no one here would be saved. You, you go home and think about it. Your eternal security, your hope of heaven, the blessed truth of being born again is all founded upon the perfect obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to make me bow before the Lord every day and say, Lord, it's too much for me to understand your complete obedience. The Lord Jesus lived to do completely what God the Father commanded Him to do. And the Lord, the Lord had to face strong commands from God the Father of what He wanted Him to say. What did the Lord say? I only say what the Lord wants me to say. This would help Christians, by the way. This, this little phrase I'm about to say, this will help you and me. I only say what the Lord wants me to say. I only do what the Lord wants me to do. And I only go where the Lord wants me to go. That's the way the Lord... Jesus spoke about His commitment to obey the will of God the Father. The Lord Jesus denied Himself and His will to do the will of God the Father. He denied Himself. The Lord learned the lesson of obedience in the midst of suffering. And God the Father loved the obedience of His Son. There's nothing that more honors and glorifies God than when we obey Him. There's nothing that honors and glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ than when His, when His followers obey Him. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Christ's humility was a mark of His obedience. And as you'll see, I'm trying to build a pattern here for what we'll talk about in the days ahead because these same principles become true for us who are followers of Jesus. Christ's perfect obedience was essential for the salvation of sinners. I read these words to you again. Behold, I have come to do your will, and I am glad that the Lord Jesus said when He came to this earth to the Father, I have come to do your will, and your will is for me to die for the sins of the world. And Jesus Christ loved obeying God the Father. It was His nourishment and His joy to fully obey God the Father. <clears throat> Do you look at obeying God kind of like your kids look at obeying you? Is there a joy in your willingness to obey God or are you just like your kids and your grandkids? You give them a command and what do they do? Pout, whine, cry, roll around, scream, resist, rebel, disobey. But the Lord Jesus loved obeying God the Father. Because He sought to please God the Father in every way. God's glory was the primary motivation of Christ Jesus' obedience. God is glorified through the death of Jesus Christ, His Son. 
And the Lord Jesus lived only to do the will of God and accomplish the work of salvation for sinners. That's why He came. When I finish my life, when you finish yours, when people look at all the things you do and have done, will it matter for eternity? It's what that uh, a preacher who meant so much to me in my life said many times, are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? Well, there's our question for the night. So what do I do now with this as I think about this application as we finish tonight? Three things. May we praise and glorify the Lord Jesus for His perfect obedience. That would be something we should do. We'll pray about that as we end. We should praise and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ for His perfect obedience. We must learn from the Lord Jesus the way to live in obedience to God. Or I may have said it, perhaps I should have said it this way, we must learn from the Lord Jesus Christ the way of obedience to God. And then when we follow Jesus Christ, we follow Him willingly and we say, Lord, because we intend to obey Him. So as we finish tonight, perhaps I give us just one example of our duty and responsibility to obey the Lord. You know these words very well. You'll probably hear them a lot in the days ahead, but I don't apologize for it. Sometimes it takes more than one time to understand something. Matthew 28, 18, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, the Lord Jesus says. Go therefore and make disciples. That's our job at this church. Whatever else we think we're supposed to do here, whatever other things we come up with and make up our ideas we want to churn up to do whatever we want to do. Go therefore and make disciples. Is this church a disciple-making church? Are we being obedient to the Lord's command? Or are we in disobedience? Perhaps that is why we have some of the things we have here. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I have much to learn in my Christian life about obedience. But I have my Lord to teach me how to obey. And when I fail as I will, and when you fail as you will, when there is a sincerity in my heart, I truly believe this with all of my heart, the Lord knows we won't be perfect in our obedience this side of heaven. But there can be a sincerity and a genuineness in our commitment to obey the Lord. We will fail. We will fail one another, and when we fail one another, it's because we haven't obeyed the Lord. But there is within us this desire, this holy desire, a genuine desire to obey God. What do we sing? What have we sung all of our lives? Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 
In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one who is who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Praise the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God as it is a direction for us, a guide for us, for your will. You have revealed to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and His words what you expect of us. And you have called us to Christian obedience. But I have been disobedient. So have my brothers and sisters. So has this church. We have not always done what you have called us to do. We ask that you'd forgive us for our disobedience. And that you might give us by the help of the Holy Spirit strength and stamina to do your will in a wicked, dark, lost world. For the glory of God, until Jesus Christ comes again. We love you and we thank you. And may out of our deep-hearted love for You and our commitment and thanks to You for all that You have done for us, Lord Jesus, may we be obedient children. And may You be pleased with us as we seek to serve You. Bless all my friends who are here tonight in this building and the work that's going on among our people all across this building tonight. And bless those who are listening tonight who are not here with us, but may You bless them in whatever condition they find themselves. And may we rejoice in our sufferings and truly obey God so that Jesus would be glorified in all of our ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you. Stay safe. And Lord willing, we'll see you on Sunday. Have a great rest of the week. Be careful going home. God bless you who watched us tonight.